up the take up all the awkwardness. Anyways, um, we're gonna have uh, Pastor Steve come up and and share and um, just uh, what God put on his heart. And if you don't know them, um, I know a lot of you do. But if you don't, I've gotten to know him a little bit over this last weekend and met him a few weeks or months ago, I think it was. And so I'm just going to be in him. The, his house is our house, and his our house is his house. And, and so just receive. I believe God's got something that he wants to share through Amen. Steve. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bo. I think I'm on. Am I on? Okay, good. Delightful to be with you guys today. What a, what a delight and a joy. You guys uh, are a part of our family, whether you like it or not. We've adopted you, so whether you adopt us or not is up to you, but we've already adopted you, and uh, we so love uh, this church and what, what uh, God planted on this hilltop overlooking your city. What a, what a delight. We love to hear the stories of what God's doing in the, among the churches in, in Kearney. You guys are an example that I use uh, in other places that you guys just love each other. That from the from the pulpit, you're you're affirming each other and processing what the other church is doing. And do, I love that. That is just absolutely amazing. Uh, we've had an amazing weekend. We were so delighted at the invitation to come and do an encounter. My wife and I thought uh, we pastored a church for 25 years in Grand Island. Some of you have visited us over there. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us. And, we, have, we rejoiced a couple, few years ago when God said, why don't you just leave and do something else? And it was like, first it was a kick and kind of hurt, but then it was like, this is kind of fun. And my favorite phrase these days is, I don't know, I'm not the pastor. <laughs> I love that phrase. Somebody comes up and says, hey, pastor, what about, no, 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 I'm, I'm not the pastor. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a delightful phrase, isn't it, my brother? <laughs> uh, to, to see another generation coming along and, and raising up and, and taking the leadership. What a, what a delight, Pastor Bo, what a, what a past, what delight it's been to get to know you and look forward to many more times together uh, over lunch today. That's going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love eating. Uh, <laughs> uh, had an opportunity to do an encounter this week, and we thought when we were done pastoring, we were done doing encounters, and we're finding out that, that in this season, there's a whole new generation of young men and young women that are coming up, and they, they're coming up with baggage and stuff that uh, some of them don't, don't know what we're carrying. Um, some of us, it was like we were 45, 50, 55 before we realized we were carrying baggage, and these guys are coming up and are going, you know what, I got stuff on me. I need to get this off. And uh, Encounter is just kind of a Holy Ghost car wash. We just run people through, and God does his thing, and you come out the other side going, hey, man, this looks better than it did before. It didn't, doesn't change who you are, but it sure gets the baggage and the stuff that you just get going through life knocked off. And uh, What a delight to hear some of the testimonies this morning. I think we'll probably share a few more of those tonight, if that's okay, for the sake of time. If, you're, if you were at Encounter, please come tonight and be ready to expound that a little bit. <clears throat> if you weren't planning on coming tonight, let me just tell you, the message that I think the Lord has given us for tonight is going to be very, very uh, impacting in that one of the things we, we really believe God's going to do tonight is unravel some of the, some of the things we've been, been li living and laboring under. Uh, when, the, when the prodigal son came home, daddy did some things to prove how much that son was not diminished but fully restored. And if in any way, shape, or form you've, you've maybe been away or you just need to come back to a place, I want you to, to get the Father's heart. And what he did while the, while the son was away, 
is a phenomenal truth that the Lord just unfolded for us just a couple weeks ago. And I'd love to share some of that with you guys. And it's not just going to be a message. It's going to be an interactive moment when we're just going to, like, wow. Yeah, that's me. I'll take some of that. Uh, <laughs> and there's going to be a, like a smorgasbord of stuff laid out that you can just grab. And, and uh, <clears throat> when you know the truth, the truth makes you free. When you see the Father the way he is, you love him. Many people have turned their back and walked away, but it's, it, it's often because they haven't seen a true representation of who the Father is. Do, do I need to use that? Oh, okay. That means doing some funky stuff. We'll shut it. No, that's okay. Good. Uh, so tonight, uh, come, and, come and join us for that. It's going to be really, really fun. Uh, this morning, uh, I've got about three hours of sermon. I'm probably not going to preach all of it. Probably two and a half hours, so... Well, we'll get you out sometime. Uh, when you get done listening, you can go ahead and leave, okay? And when I get done preaching, I'll leave. And we'll, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. They're going to they're have a timer up there for me, I hope. And, and if, they, if that doesn't do it, my wife will. So we'll be good. Uh, I do, I do want to unfold some stuff this morning that I, I just really have felt strongly all weekend the Lord wanted to share. And, and this, the, the sermon is a little bit of a paradox, is because in the kingdom, how many of you all have ever been asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? And, you know, as, a, as an eight-year-old, you're looking at people going, I don't know. <laughs> when, I, when I was 50, somebody asked me, what are you going to be when you grow up? So I I don't know. <laughs> that, that's an assumption that I want to grow up. I don't want to grow up. I'm, you know, the age thing is, is non-negotiable, but the growing up part is really negotiable. And... Uh, what I learned was that I tried to be more grown up than I needed to be. In the kingdom, there's this, there's this divine paradox where God says the more grown up you are, the less, the less access you have to the kingdom. What? The more, the more you take on adulting, adulting is overrated. Notice the gray hairs are all, all clapping. It's, it's the older generation. They're going, that is right. Uh, and and if, if, I could, if I could go back and redo some things, I would be a whole lot more childlike. How many of y'all have ever, have ever seen something and you just wanted to go, ah, that is so cool. And you go, no, uh, oh, that's nice. Or a child would just go, that is so cool. <laughs> and 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 some, <laughs> sometimes we see that that thing in our children, and we and we want to beat it out of them because you, you just can't do that when you grow up. You can't do that. You, and and who says that you can't be radical as an adult? Who says that you can't be inquisitive and and look into things and ask questions and and do all that stuff? And uh, <laughs> I just I, I want to give us a lesson in childlikeness today. Is that okay? Because I think the kingdom is missing a lot of childlikeness. I want to give some permission for some old people to dance. <laughs> and if you don't have the energy for you to, to cheer on a young person who is. <laughs> you know, my grand... This is one of the things that I'm, point I'm going to visit later, but you know, my grandkids come to me and they think that I can do everything they do. 
if they're putting on a show and, and they're singing, they're, they're standing up in the, in the little bay window in our living room and they've got their microphone, they just assume Poppy should get up in the window with them and do what they're doing. But my adulting kicks in. And, and I'm, I'm a little too... Actually, it's a little too much of a risk because <laughs> it's okay if they, if they don't sing well. If I don't sing well, everybody's going to judge me. Where did I learn that? My kids say, hey, Poppy, do this with me. Come on. I'm like, <clears throat> okay, no, <clears throat> not no. You guys go ahead. I'm going to watch. When their life would be enriched and my, my ego would be a little broken if I would just dance with them. But somehow I have this thing in the back of my head that says adulting doesn't include that. <laughs> you need to just turn that off. So, <laughs> you, you, have, you have hearing aids, some of you old folks. You just need to turn that down, okay? Just, just turn that little voice down and just say, you know what? It, it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk being crazy, being impulsive. I'm going to risk being involved rather than sitting as a spectator. Because child, ch- children don't measure the risk. They have the gift of not having the fear ingrained in them. They think they can stand up on the counter and jump and I'll catch them. It doesn't matter whether I'm watching or not, they're just going to jump anyway. Because Poppy would never drop me. Crazy children, they're crazy. They have this crazy faith. I, I, go, I just want to go through a list of childlike pieces. And some of them, you're going you're gonna to say, I need a little bit of that. And if, if you need some of that sometime during, the, during the, the message, you just go, I just want you to put a hand up and go, I could use some of that. Somebody might just put their hand on you and go, just release that, Father, in Jesus' name. Some of you, you need some stuff broken off of you so you can be free to be childlike. Because Jesus did this one day. He's blessing the children, and the children are coming to him, and they're running to his lap. He's accessible to them, and they don't know that there's limitations, and, and he only has one lap, so they're all trying to get on his lap. And the disciples try to protect him from the inquisitiveness and, and, the, and the open encounter that these children are having because only, God can only do one thing at one time, you know. And if he's meeting somebody else's need, he can't meet mine. Just let that sink in for a second. Have you ever, ever done one of those bargain prayers with God? God, meet their need. I, I, it doesn't matter about mine because I know you can only do one thing at a time. But children believe that he can do everything at a time. And all these children are ganging up on him, assuming they could all get on his lap. And, and, and the disciples are trying to protect him from their expectations. Say, no, 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 no. And Jesus says, hey, stop that. You let those little children come to me. Because of such is the kingdom of heaven. In another place where it's a really dark moment and he's, and he's speaking, woe, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. I came to you and you would not come to me. I, I invited you and you wouldn't come to the party. I was, I was having this opportunity for you to enter in and you wouldn't come. And it's just really dark. I mean, it's one of the darkest things Jesus said, this paragraph in, in Matthew chapter 11. And immediately following that paragraph where he, where he rebukes this whole city because he invited and they wouldn't come. And he turns and he says, 
bring me one of those little children. And he set him in their midst. He put him in the middle. He said, I want to talk to all you adults. All of you that have been invited and you didn't come. All of you that, that, that had the inquisitiveness and you wouldn't ask the question. All of you who had the, who had the, the fire in you to have a, a wild and crazy dance and you wouldn't let it happen because of your adulting. I want to talk to you. See this little child? They know where the doorway is and the protocol is to the kingdom. If you could become like them, the kingdom would be more open for you. You tell a child you're going to have a party, can I bring my friends? You tell an adult we're going to have church, they're going to go, okay. An old preacher told me one time, he said, if people are with you and they're saying amen and they're cheering you on, preach away about whatever you're preaching. If it gets silent, shut up and move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just, just in case you don't know, I want to read the scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus just said, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Capernaum, woe to you, Bethsaida. And then verse 25, he says this. Matthew eleven twenty-five. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you've revealed them to the babes. The word babes there means those that don't even yet have the ability to put words to their thoughts. They are not yet developed to the point that they can verbalize what they see or hear or experience. And he says, woe to you, scribes. He, 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 he identifies the scribes because they're the ones who have learned. They have gone through all of the discipleship programs and they have the filled out blanks. They have checked all the boxes and they have done all the things and they've, and they've made sure that every I is dotted and every T is crossed. And he says, woe to you because you think you have it all together. Let me show you who's got it together. A little child who doesn't yet know how to talk. Give them a crayon and a piece of paper and ask them what they're seeing. Because they're the prophets of the next generation. And if we don't know how to celebrate their childishness, we'll never develop them into the people that are going to lead us in childlikeness that will open the kingdom to a generation. Back in children's church, they've got some crayons and paper. There are some children that see angels that you don't see because they don't filter them out. We need to ask them to draw them for us so we can see what they're seeing because it's sometimes a clue to our des destiny and what God's doing in the room. But if we don't believe in their childlikeness, in their unfiltered acceptance of everything they see, and the only filter they have is why. Tell me what I'm seeing and why I'm seeing it. What, what is it that, that I'm experiencing here? 
And adulting is, is not separating ourselves from their childlikeness, but entering into the place of their inquisitiveness so that we have the audacity to ask the teacher questions that we don't have the answer to. But especially we men, you, <clears throat> all the men, put your hand up right now. I'm talking to you. Okay, just so you know who I'm talking to. You don't have to have all the answers. You're not the answer to everything, but you know the answer. But the answer only comes to those who are willing to question. And only one who is childlike is willing to question. Somewhere we got the idea that we couldn't question because it was somehow an attack on our masculinity or, or attack on our all-knowingness. We want to be the, the all-knowing man who knows everything. That's why we don't stop and ask for directions. That's why we love GPS, because there's a woman telling us what to do. And it's accepted practice. And it's okay to be lost because she knows where we are. And it has saved millions of marriages. Because of the childlikeness of being willing to say, I don't know where we're going and I don't know where we are. But I need somebody who will. <laughs> and so we carry her in our pocket. That's why I love my pocket. Because it carries my phone. And I love my phone because it has that woman in it. And that woman keeps me from being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but a child doesn't mind asking. They'll ask a thousand times. Where are we? How long will we be? How, when are we getting there? <laughs> same, as I, same as 10 minutes ago, okay? That's, we're 10 minutes closer than we were 10 minutes ago, okay? That's, well, when, when are we going to get there? And we, and we beat their inquisitiveness out of them with our anger. We push it away because it doesn't allow us. It doesn't allow us to know everything because they ask questions we have to say, I don't know. And then we, we take the position of a child and we say together, let's ask. You understand that we, we encourage like, child likeness if we like. <laughs> My father was, was horrid. He would not stop and ask directions. But I remember walking into a gas station one time. That's, for those of you who know, you know, you're, you're pre-GPS. That's what we used to do. We used to actually have to find a person and ask them where we are and where we're going. And I remember walking into a gas station one time and hearing my father be so humbled as to have to ask a little teenage girl behind the counter, where am I? What town am I in? <laughs> we had totally, we were off the map. We had no idea where we were on the map. What town am I in? And it was the most wonderful thing for my father to show me that it's okay not to know because it gave me permission to ask the questions because he was willing to ask the questions. And I would, I would offer to you that we may have done our children a disservice by being the all-knowing and not letting the mystery have its work. I want to just let that, let that sink in a little bit. Jesus says, I've hidden it from the wise and prudent. And I've revealed it to the children, those who don't yet have the language for it. Even so, Father, it seemed good in your sight to do this. 
All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. Do you understand that Revelation is wrapped up in this Father-Son thing where we can ask questions of the Father, and He really is all-knowing, and we, we, we really do need to put Him in that position and not necessarily take the place of His throne as the all-knowing one, but become children with our children and say, let's go and ask the Holy Spirit together. That's a great question. How many of your children ask questions that you used to ask, but you, it, but you stopped asking it? Has somebody told you, don't ask that again, because they didn't know. They pushed the question away, and they refused to let you into the mystery, to live in the mystery, to live in the, in the unresolved mystery that makes you question, which is a gift and an entrance into the deeper things of God. And the more we run away from that unknowing place, the less of the Father's heart we know. Jesus says, nobody knows the Father's heart except the Son who has lived with him and asked him questions and, and walked with him and heard him speak. That's the, that's the Son who knows the Father's heart. And the Father knows the Son's heart by the questions that he asks. And I would, I, I would, I would put out to you that we may have limited our access to the Father's deep heart by refusing the mysteries. Refusing to live in the place of, of tension where what I know and what I don't know meet. And as I, I was processing and, and pondering these things a few months ago, I, I, I just did a word search on this thing, mystery, and I, I was amazed at the time, number of times Paul said in his letters, Behold, I show you a mystery. He had been inquisitive enough to look into something that he didn't understand. It was a mystery to everyone else, and he had had the audacity to ask the question, ponder the, the, the incomparable, inconquerable place of mystery. And he lived in that place and asked the questions until he got an answer. And then he became a writer that wrote letters that 2,000 years later we're still quoting because he was willing to look into the mystery. Every mystery will not be, be resolved. I was talking to some of the, excuse me, I, I call you guys gray hairs. It's not, a, it's not a derogatory term. I was talking to some of us that have a little gray in our hair out front today, and, and we were talking about not knowing everything, and they had no idea what I was going to share about, but they brought it up, so I just played with it. And, but <laughs> But here we were talking, you know what, there, there's a list of things that when I get to heaven, I'm gonna, I, I, gotta, I got some things I need to ask. And I don't want to be so adult when I get there that I have to act like I know everything. And so I'm practicing childlike us now asking questions that I don't understand. And embracing the mystery when he doesn't answer. As a child, you can sometimes say, you know what, I'm going to tell you that someday. What you're really saying is I have no clue what you're asking, so someday I'm going to tell you. It's an act of faith to say that to them. But it's, it's the willingness to embrace the mystery that, you know what, there's something that you don't understand. Probably a better answer would be, you know what, I'm, I'm working on that too. Let's ask the Holy Spirit and see whether or not he'll give us an insight. Promise me that you'll share with me what you see, and I'll share with you what I hear, and we'll go there. Wouldn't it be amazing if we actually raised our children to think that maybe they, they could see something we couldn't see and actually embrace the scripture that Jesus said here? 
that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide things from you older folks and I'm going to show it to your kids so that you learn to hear from them because they're going to prophesy to you about the next generation and how the church needs to shift and become what it's going to be so that the next generation will have a place. My son is doing stupid things. He took the church. He killed some of the best things I've ever done in my life. He tells me, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm like, you're what? Do you know how long it took to put that in? Do you have any idea how important that is to the fiber of the church? Yeah, for your generation, Dad, yeah. For my generation, we don't get it. And we don't need to go there. He's doing stuff that I'm like, you're doing what? You're going to, you're going to, what? I need to shut my mouth. And I need to listen because he's teaching me about another generation that is not my generation. And I, and I have to somehow hear that they're not like me. That's why our children need to be the prophets. Because they see the future in ways we can't even begin to describe it. My, my, my 12-year-old niece is so frustrated with me because I'm, I just learned Facebook. <laughs> and she's like, Poppy. And she gives me that look, that 13-year-old, ugly, you-know-nothing look. I used to know everything. And now I get that look. She's like, Poppy, that is so Yesterday. Gotta do Instagram and you and names I don't even know. And she's saying you don't even know how to communicate with my. She she doesn't do Facebook. I just learned Facebook so I wouldn't leave her out of my life. It's moving too fast. Slow down. Little child goes. What do you want to teach me today? I'll learn. I'll learn a new language. I'll learn a new. I'll learn a new. A platform I'll learn a new whatever my my three-year-old picks up my iPad and in two seconds she's on she's on on YouTube and she's got Peppa Pig pulled up how did you do that I can't even do that three years old I have to ask her could you show Poppy how you did that Is, is there, can you show me anything besides Peppa Pig? Do you know how to get to, could, is there any? But if I don't listen to her, I won't know. I, I, will, I, will be an, I will be in a museum in five years. You remember Poppy? Who could not learn anything? Who got stuck in his ways and could not communicate with another generation? We'll come here to the museum and visit him every once in a while. I'm not saying it's because they don't like us and don't value us. I'm, they put us in the museum because they do value us. But what we really would like is not to put us in the glass case, but, but let us walk together with you. But in order to do that, we have to become childlike and become a learner. 
Because generations that took 20 years to develop in our generation are now taking two or three years to develop in this generation. And it's going so fast. And, and what, was, what was valid and relevant five years ago is no longer relevant. And somehow we have to stay childlike because children are flexible. What are we doing today? Something completely different than yesterday. They're going, oh, cool, that's awesome. You tell somebody with a little gray in their hair like me, what are we doing today? Something completely different than yesterday. Excuse me, what we did was really good. Don't want to do something different. Because <laughs> we're not flexible. Yeah. If, I, if I get away from my notes, you probably ought to push me back here because that timer up there is running, and I thank you for that because I need that. Let me finish reading the scripture. This, this is my introduction. <laughs> Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. How, how many of you, as adulting, you've realized that you get heavy and heavy laden? Your thought process gets heavy and heavy laden. You, you, you have to bear up under adulting. And somewhere along the line in the kingdom... There's, there's an ability to throw off the waiting, the waiting, being weighted down. There's an ability to throw that off and become childlike and go play on the playground. Go on the merry-go-round. Actually, they probably eliminated all those. OSHA probably got rid of that, didn't they? Because adulting <laughs> is important. And you have to protect the children from having fun. Because the adults forgot how to have fun. We forgot what it was like to go around in a circle so fast until you threw up. And then jump back on and say, let's do it again. That is amazing. That is so much fun. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Come to me, all you are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest it means to lighten up take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light let me just run through a few things can i i'm going to do it anyway so if i have your permission that's better but Matthew 21, 14. The, the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, the chief, chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he had done. They're, what, what's going on? They're, they're perceiving the wonder of the moment. They're perceiving it. They're, they're going, the blind and the lame. Their sight and mobility in the room that wasn't here before Jesus came. There's the ability to move and the ability to see because Jesus came in the room. The scribes and Pharisees saw it and wondered and went, did you see what just happened? That is amazing. How many of y'all think it's a good moment right now? The scribes and Pharisees just saw the wonderful works of Jesus. This is going to be like a radical transformation in the church. <laughs> don't get ahead of me and the children crying out in the temple and saying Hosanna to the son of David they were indignant they were too busy adulting to enjoy the wonder 
They were too busy protecting their religious structure, their box, from the cries and the joy of the children and the wonder of the thing that God had just done in their midst. They were so busy protecting what was that they couldn't see what is. And the children looked at it and went, this is amazing. This is so good. Did you see what just happened? And, and Jesus is confronted with the children's response. And the, they adjusted their robes and they kicked their shoulders back and they got their little religious garb on. They said, do you hear what they're saying? Do you, do you hear how they're crying out in the church? And they're red in the face and the veins are sticking out of the side of their neck. And Jesus goes, yep. I also see that blind guy over there dancing around because he can see. I see that lame man over there dancing and running because he couldn't dance and run before. I see that too. How about some wonder here, guys? Haven't you read the scriptures where it said from the mouths of babes, I have, I have ordained praise. Another place it says I've perfected praise in the cries of the children who are able to enter into the wonder that you filter out because you're adulting. Some of you are like, are you going to be lightening up on us at some time here? Nope, I'm just going to try to get you to dance. I want to get you to giggle because some of you just need the heaviness broken off of you. You need the box broken to the point you can wonder again where you can hear the words of Jesus with a wonder in your heart and look at that and say, well, that doesn't fit my theology, but man, is he good. <laughs> I so love what he's doing in this region in this season. I love what he's doing. It's so amazing when I come back into this region and I see that, that God's stirring and God's moving and there's prophetic stuff happening and there's all. I just go, God, you are so good. And then I hear the adults. <laughs> there's no wonder. There's no. And I, listen, I'm, not, I'm not condemning. Anybody here struggle with change? I'll come help you with your hand in a second here. I, I'm, I, everything I'm saying, that I've got all my fingers pointed back at me. The reason I understand this is because I've lived both sides. And in this season of my life where I have a little gray in my hair, a little gray in my beard, and, and there's, my dad keeps looking at me through the mirror. Every time I go, it's like, what are you doing here? You're dead. There you are looking at me. It's, it's a point of, that, that drags me into reality and says, do you want to die with an old heart? Or do you want to die with wonder in your eyes? Are you going to ignore a dance that you could, that you could dance with your children? Or are you going to sit with arms crossed? And put on your filter system. God, man, it sounds like I'm being so hard. I'm, I'm not trying to be hard, you guys. 
All the gray hairs that love me still, would you put a hand up? Would you say, keep going, Pastor? Just do this. Go on, go on. Thank you. <laughs> let, me, let, me go, let me go here. I've, I've told you what, I've told you how my response is to those things. But listen, this is what children do. They're radical in their worship. If there's a song playing, they're dancing. They're not measuring their response by what somebody else is going to think. If there's, if there's praise in the room, they're in. If there's praise in the room, their hands are up. If there's praise in the room, there's a dance in their feet. If there's, if there's music, they're singing along at the top of their lungs, and they really don't care if they can hold a tune or not. And they're looking around to see, is there a grandma and grandpa that will put a fist in the air and say, go, girl, go, baby. Come on, do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to do it with you. Come on. Let's do it together. They're looking around and asking, can, can we do this together in the generations? I'll lead you. I'll show you what it looks like to be childlike. I'll, I'll, I'll lead you in the dance. Would you come? Let's do a conga line. Come on. Let's come do it. <laughs> and two or three of you guys going, we're not going to do that, are we? <laughs> I, I just felt it in the room. You're going, we're not really going to do a conga line, are we? We might. I don't know. We have a child that can lead us? Because <laughs> they could do a really good one. But we adults would have a hard time. Why? Because they're radical. And they don't measure their response by what somebody else is going to think. <laughs> they just throw off all the restraints and go, oh, God, you like this? I'm going to do this. Okay, do you like this? Okay, well, let's do that. They read the scriptures and, and it says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And they go, yeah! We adults go, we don't do that here. <laughs> they say, praise him in the dance. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> Every time there's a new generation coming up that holds the promise of deliverance, holds the promise of moving forward, there are kings and generations of people that try to kill off the generation so that they don't have to deal with the transformation that's about ready to happen. Pharaoh looks at these, these young men that are coming up, these Israeli crazy young men that absolutely believe that their God can do anything. And he says, that generation is going to take it somewhere. We've got to stop having that generation. And he says, I want, I want you midwives, I want you to kill those babies, especially those, those, this is not a sexist comment, those boys especially, because in the Jewish culture, it was the boys that led the culture. And he said, those boys can't set up a culture. And if they gather together and they become, they become the generation they're going to be, it's, it means the end to our free labor. We have to stop it. And the midwife says, we will have no part of this. Thank God for midwives that will say, you know what, we won't have any part of this. We're not going to kill off the generation. We need some midwives in this season to stand up and say, those are our children. Those are our children. You keep your hands off of them. Because it's the precursor to a promise. Whenever, whenever the, the eyes of an older group of politicians, I'm not trying to be political this morning. I'm not, I'm not up here pounding the table for a political position. What I'm telling you is this, that when you see the children being affected 
It is the, it is the precursor to the, the generations that are passing. They see something coming. They may not be able to per, per, perceive it in their mind. They may not have any thought process that will wrap around it, but they know in their spirit something's about ready to happen, and it's going to be led by another generation, and we're going to lose power, and we've got to stop them before they get a chance to have a voice. The problem is they're going to have a voice even when they're in the womb because even John the Baptist, because he was going to lead a generation in the, in the womb, he starts his ministry by kicking his mama and saying, there's a, there's a voice in the room. There's, there, there's another presence in the room. You don't see him yet. You don't understand him yet. But I see him. I know him in my spirit. And that little child is prophesying. The first, the first human on the planet that is physically responding to the presence of Jesus in the room he's kicking his mother saying you need to wake up hey mama hey church Jesus is about ready to come and show up in ways you have never seen him before unless we become like a little child I'm going to leave that. Uh, I'm going to skip some of this stuff because I don't have very many minutes left. I might go back and pick some of this up tonight. But remember, remember David? David walks into the battle and all the, all the guys dressed in armor, all the guys that have studied warfare, all the guys that have wielded a sword, all the guys that have won their battles. David is this young whippersnapper. Saul is a he's a seasoned warrior. He has some scars and some marks. He has gone through his battles and he's won them. He has slain his thousands. He has walked away from bloody battlefields and come back through the triumphal gates and been cheered because you won your battle. Thank you for fighting. I want to say to every gray here in this room, thank you for fighting the battle. Thank you. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you. Thank you for going out and, 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 and taking the marks and, and bearing the wounds and bearing some of the scars so we don't have to be, deal with them. Thank you. But you can't, you can't protect another generation from their childlikeness. Because David comes on the scene, he looks at that giant, and he says, Who is that? What, what in the world is going on here? There is a giant standing out in that field who is defying the armies of the living God. And the warriors all say, Let, You don't understand what you're talking about. And the child has the audacity to call things as they are, not how they're, they're perceived. That sometimes shakes our perceptions and challenges our status quo. And we need their voice. We need their voice. We need their childlikeness. And David says, I, I got a sling and a stone. <laughs> and, and Saul goes, no, son. <laughs> let, me, let me show you some scars. Let me show you what, what that sword out there can do to you. Let me, 
Let me show you what, it, what getting hit in the head with a battle axe looks like. Look here, right here. See that? That hurts, dude. I want to protect you from yourself. Because your audacity is going to get you hurt. And listen, young people, I want you to hear this. It doesn't mean we don't believe in you. It's just we have some battle scars. And we don't want you to make the same mistakes that we've made. We don't want you to get beat up the way we got beat up. And we want to back you off because you have no idea some of the battles you're, you're about ready to step into. You have no idea what it takes to change generations. You have no idea how the enemy comes against those who will not accept the status quo. You have no idea how big that giant can be and how strong his arm can be against you. You have no idea how, how willing he is to hurt you and wound you and take you down. You have no idea. But we got some scars. And we're going to pr- try to protect you from your childlikeness. Somehow you think this is simple. We forgot it was simple. Somewhere along the line, we thought it was because of our strength and our power. Somewhere along the line, we thought it was because of, of our ability to do or be. We forgot it was because we're connected to the one. And David walks in with perspective from having sat out on a, on a stone and worshipped his God and his God became big and everything else in his life became little because he had learned how to worship extravagantly and he'd worshipped this God and wrote songs to this huge God that is an absolutely amazing. And he brings that perspective onto the battlefield and he says it doesn't matter if it's with, with many or few God can deliver. It doesn't matter if it's with horses and, and chariots. It doesn't matter if, if we have big enough swords. What it matters is, is God with us? If, it God's, if God is with us, I have enough of a simple faith that I refuse to be, to be bound by a perception that doesn't include God. Please challenge us, generation, when we, when we try to filter out your audacity. Please challenge us because we forgot how to be audacious. We got some of our scars by being audacious and we forgot how. It got beat out of us. So we try, to, we try to dress you up with our protection. We've protected our hearts and we think you ought to wear the same protection that we've learned to live in. Wow. Run, David, run. Run to the battle. We will pray for you. We will, we will guard you. We will guide you. We will do everything we can to keep you. But you've got to run. You've got to go. And we've got to repent of our, of our carefulness. You're, you could ruin everything. Yes, you could. Or you might make it blow up. And thousands get saved. And revival comes to regions and generations. We need the audacity. We need the power of innocent naivety. We need the power of why. We've accepted things that are not true because we refuse to ask why. You can't go out there like that, David. Why? Don't ask me why. (laughs) We forgot the power that sometimes whys just don't have any... there's There's no logic... Because we're, we're investigating undreamed possibilities. And some of us forgot how to dream. 
remind us. The power of curiosity. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but glory of kings to search out a matter. The children will search out. If, you, if you're playing hide-and-seek, you are going to be found. Sometimes you have to give clues just where you are. But they will find you because there's the power of curiosity. Some of us stop looking. Jesus says, that you'll, you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. If you'll play this game with me, I'll hide for you for a moment. But if you'll seek me, you'll find me. I'll leave my toes sticking out from underneath the drapes, and I'll wiggle them and make noises so you can find me. But you have to seek. The power of extreme expectation. My sons would bring me a broken toy, so broken it's beyond hope. They would come with their, with their friends in tow. My daddy, can, you, you can hear them coming in the front door. My daddy can fix it. You look at it going, <laughs> no, no, no. It's way beyond that, son. It's, it ain't happening. I, because I have, to, I have to confess to you my weakness. And somehow we want to protect God from our weakness. Because he has the ability to fix everything, and they believe it. They believe they can jump off the counter and we'll catch them. They just believe it. Unbridled expectancy. Jesus called it faith, and it says it's what pleases the Father. Somehow we forgot. The absurdity of crazy courage. The Don Quixote in all of us that will joust at windmills and believe we can change the world. Somewhere along the line, we said, you know what? It's not going to happen. And so we try to beat it out of our children before they get disappointed and save them from our disappointment. Well, sometimes it's wisdom, but sometimes we protect them from a God who's bigger than us. We protect them from the greatest victories. <clears throat> I've been really hard on you gray hairs this morning. Please forgive me. I, I was going to be a little lighter on you and a little, little more. But I ran out of time to do that. So I got the first part in. So you gray hairs have been preached to. You, you, the next generation, you, you're going to you'll get some more tonight, okay? <laughs> but let me just ask a curious question. The mirror that I've held up from the word this morning, the things that you, you've seen, have you seen yourself in any of that? When I realized I was, I was trying to dress my son in my armor and I was trying to protect him from my wounds, it broke my heart because every wound had a lesson with it and I, I knew he would never learn. He's never going to grow into childlikeness if he doesn't learn to jump off the counter and believe that God's going to catch him. And I don't want him to lose that faith. Some of the stuff I'd like to... <laughs> but some of it I need to shut up and learn. And I'm hoping somewhere along the line, in the adulting that I'm doing, there's some wisdom in it. But the more I taste of my wisdom, the more I realize what I really need is the wisdom of childlikeness. 
and let a little child lead me in the protocol of the kingdom because it's there that the entrance into the kingdom happens. We become small so he can become large. <laughs> and Jesus healed the blind and the lame and the children wondered. And where are you in the picture? <laughs> are you going to dance with the lame? Are you going to rejoice at the vision of the blind? That now they see. They were blind, but now they see. Oh, we sing it. It's a wonderful old, old song. <laughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was blind, but now I see. And then we finish the nice little song and we're done. Instead of jumping up and going, that is amazing! The blind see! And if we would rejoice a little better, we might see more of it. Because what you celebrate, you duplicate. So when I celebrate with a child, they're like, Poppy, I'm so glad you're home! I'm too. Poppy, come dance with me. Please pray for me that I will grow out of my adulting and capture every moment of childlikeness that breaks off my ego and breaks off my, my hardness and breaks off my carefulness so I can enjoy my, my life. God is so good. <laughs> what he does is so awesome. A little child will tell you for an hour about one little thing. <laughs> they will go on, and especially girls. If you have a little girl in you, in your house, you ask them what's going on today, they're going to go on and 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 on. They're never going to tire. <laughs> because they're in awe of this wonderful day they experienced. Us boys, how was it today? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was good. <laughs> we need a little, the scriptures call that tehila. It means to, to babber fool, babble foolishly about the goodness of another. It's child. Can I pray childlikeness over you? If anybody's offended me, please come talk to me because I didn't mean to offend anybody today. But I, uh, <laughs> I, And I'm not going to probably apologize. I'm probably just going to try to tap a little more on that hard place, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> oh. I want to play I want to pray childlikeness over your gray hair. I want to pray childlikeness as a parent that you would have the grace to raise children that are that are unbridled. I understand I, I didn't say rebellious, I didn't say but but their curiosity remains intact that their that their 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 ability to believe in things remains intact that we 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 may shape shape their actions but we we don't we don't destroy their character we don't destroy their childlikeness 
that we always embrace their questions. Father, thank you. Because you're a really good father. We sang it this morning. You're a good, good father. And we thank you because you have given us permission to enter in at a place of childlikeness. You rejoiced when scribes and Pharisees could take off their robes for a moment and just be childlike. Lord, I thank you for the wonder that we have in our eyes when we see how good you are and the amazing things that you do. And we ask, Father, that you would do more of those things in our midst and give us opportunity to rejoice with extravagance, to dance with lightness, to, to enter in with inquisitiveness and unfold mysteries that you've hidden for us to discover in this generation. Father, thank you for a pliable spirit. <laughs> Whoa, thank you, Father, <laughs> for an expanded mind, for, for a perception that, are, that there are things that we don't know that we could know if we'd asked. Holy Spirit, come near to us and be teacher and counselor and guide. Unfold things that have been hidden for generations. Reveal them in this generation to those of us who choose childlikeness. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Father. I thank you for grandkids that don't let me get old. <laughs> thank you for their, their exuberance and their joy and their inclusiveness. Thank you. Let them rub off on me. Let them teach me wisdom. Maybe a childlike learner. Thank you, Father. Would you just take something you've learned today and just turn it into a prayer? Father, soften my heart. something that challenged you, that hit you maybe with a little bit of an edge. Turn it into a prayer. Father, I need some more of that. Father, I need to break that off. Would you break that off of me? Would you change that mindset? children, children of influence without negating their childlikeness. Thank you for my friends like Jeff Collins, <laughs> Mitch Stroda, and some of those guys that just peer into the heavenly realms and rejoice when they see something. Thank you, Father, for the Jonathans, the Bows that lead us. Thank you for the Jays who take things to another place. I rejoice with them. 
Thank you for the Davids that are willing to run out and do crazy things because they know their God. They do exploits. Thank you, Father. We rejoice in them. Steve. That was good. Amen. I know I'm sitting over here wondering, man, how many times have I failed as a father? You know, my kids will say, Dad, do this, or Dad, do that, and no, I can't. I'm too old. I'm not too old. That's the problem. We get this in this mindset. So thanks, Steve, for challenging us this morning. Thanks for allowing us to just peer into what God wants this morning. We're going to receive uh, an offering for Steve and Melanie. And, and I ask if the Lord just blessed you this morning. Feel free to give into that. Feel free to give into their ministry. And when we're done, at the same time, if there's something that the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, like, hey, I need that childlike. I need, I need to dance a little bit. My legs have gotten stiff because they haven't been used lately. You know, I need to, I've lost the, the why inquisitiveness of it. I've lost the why because I've gotten so many times that answer to shut up and be quiet. you want the Lord to change that in your heart this morning. I know he prayed about it, but if you want some of the altar workers, Steve or Melanie, to, to lay hands on you and pray for some other things, I know that they're open to praying for you this morning. And so I'm going to pray over the offering and then I'm going to shut up so we can worship and allow the Lord just to do what he needs to do the rest of this evening. So Lord, or this morning, excuse me, Lord, we just thank you for how good you are. We thank you for sending Steve and Melanie here this weekend with God Encounter, but also this morning to challenge our hearts, Lord God, to have more childlike faith that we get so rigid. And Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I just pray as we receive the offering that you will bless the gift and the giver. And bless them, Lord. Open the floodgates of heaven upon Steve and Melanie, Lord God. Will you expand, expand, expansion, expansion. Lord, we just thank you in your son's name. Amen. Ushers, if you'd like to come forward, and altar team, if you'd like to come forward, we're going to open it up to prayer, specifically also to, let's just worship the Lord for a little bit.
I just pray as you go this week that it may, lay the, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Feel free to leave. If you want to stay here and continue worshiping or want some prayer, feel free to come up. But God bless.
You guys have an awesome week. given